From the newsrooms of The Daily Press and The Virginian Pilot, this is Beyond the Headlines. I'm Marie Albigez. Each week, we interview reporters from our newsrooms about how and why they covered a story. This week, reporters Tim Eberle and Scott Doherty come on to talk about the recent indictment of former Norfolk Sheriff Bob McCabe. Here's me with Tim and Scott. Tim, Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. So the reason I wanted to ask you guys to come on today was the recent indictment of the former Norfolk Sheriff Bob McCabe. And this investigation stems back a couple years now. Um, And Scott, I was wondering if you could just bring us up to speed on what the indictment says or alleges that Bob McCabe did. Basically, this is the culmination of, I want to say, three, maybe even more years of investigation by the FBI. The gist of what's been charged is they're saying that a man named Gerald Boyle and I guess his company, Correct Care Solutions, now WellPath, um, was basically bribing the former sheriff for quite a few years, 22 years total um, was the bribery scheme. Actually, I've, I've gotten that a little bit wrong. There was another company called ABL Food Management that actually started out and then uh, Correct Care came on, I want to say in about 2004 and started also bribing him um, per the indictment. So this has been a 22 years worth of uh, bribing schemes. There's all sorts of different kickbacks that were allegedly provided to him, uh, trips to Nashville, Redskins, Packers tickets, campaign contributions, cash, gambling, random entertainment. So there, there was a lot of money that was going there, and there was also a lot of money going back to these companies. Uh, Correct Care Solutions contracts each year are over $3 million. And uh, you know, in exchange for all of those bribes, Um, The feds are saying that these companies were provided inside information on what their competitors were bidding. So you can squeak in as the lowest bidder, uh, you know, win it by $20,000 or something. And look, you now have that multi-million dollar contract because you uh, were able to come in slightly underneath all of your competitors. And there's a lot of also sweeteners in the contracts where the sheriff alone had the authority to increase cost of living increases, provide extra money to those contracts. And that was big money. And the Fed said that's not cool. So did we know that this indictment was coming? We've suspected something was coming. So this all started back in, I want to say, 2016. We knew that Norfolk businessman Ronnie Boone, he's a well-known figure in the city. He's uh, convicted of bribing both the then Norfolk treasurer, Anthony Burfoot, and the indictment referenced another unspecified public official who I was able to confirm through some sourcing was uh, allegedly Sheriff Bob McCabe. When we reported that back in uh, 2016, Sheriff McCabe came out very vehemently and said, I've never taken a bribe from Ronnie Boone, but then a couple weeks later, uh, you know, I believe six weeks later, he announced that he was going to resign from office, even though he'd already announced his plans to seek re-election. And then the subpoenas started coming. So those bribery charges against the treasurer that Boone was charged with, that was around the time that you first heard, that the pilot first heard about the possible dealings that Bob McCabe was involved in. Yeah, until Ronnie Boone pled guilty to bribing Anthony Burfoot. At least publicly, people weren't even whispering in the ears of some of the, his political competitors. There's a line in you know, Ronnie Boone's guilty plea where he acknowledged bribing not only Anthony Burfoot, but also another, engaging in a corrupt quid quo pro agreement with another unspecified high-ranking city official. 
Right. I'm glad you brought that up because I know that that's a phrase that we've heard a lot lately in national news. And so Bob McCabe denied that there had been any quid pro quo, denied the allegations in your story. And after that came out, Tim, you started kind of investigating more broadly the sheriff's career over 30 years. What are some of the things that you found that maybe didn't make it quite into this indictment? We spent months looking into McCabe, and the investigative piece that ran included, I guess, three main threads. One was his former employees and some current ones contending that McCabe used his own deputies to do home improvement work on his homes or properties owned by his now wife, then girlfriend, using deputies to, like forcing deputies to campaign for him, whether they were on the clock or off the clock. They would take vacation time to do it and then get that vacation time back off the books, according to them. The third main thread was a string of women, then sheriff's office employees, who claimed that um, McCabe sexually harassed them. Two of them were a pair of sisters who actually had a settlement agreement with McCabe that we were able to get our hands on in which he promised to give them raises and transferring them out of whatever departments they were in at the time. And, and there was some money. Yeah, I think it was about $12,500 right? is the number that comes to mind. And so we had five women on the record, most of them named, maybe I think maybe all of them, not all of them gave me interviews, but we had on the record information. You had documents. And we everything. had documents. Yeah. There was one woman who used to work for the company that provided food services for the jail. So it was essentially this pattern of sexual harassment allegations that dated very, very far back into his career. Just like these, the indictment allegations with the healthcare company and also the food services company extend into the early 90s when he took over as sheriff. After that initial investigative piece ran, we also did a piece that focused squarely on these allegations that we were hearing at the time about the healthcare company and the food services company and some unusual things that occurred during the bidding process. So those are the things that ended up that, that we're seeing now in the indictment. But a lot of the things that we reported on in the main investigative piece didn't service in the recent indictment. So at the same time that you were doing that investigation, presumably the FBI and the federal government was doing their own investigation into any kind of bribery charges and fraud. Absolutely. Not presumably. They were because people that we were talking to were also telling me two FBI agents stopped by and I talked to them yesterday or two weeks ago. And, and these are folks that we were talking to over, over a period of time. And so when you were asking Scott earlier about were we hearing chatter about the FBI and this, this federal investigation going on? We've been hearing that for several years. And not only that, we've also been, you know, these, these sources who I've kept in touch with, who have been interviewed by the FBI, would tell me, we're hearing that, that the indictment's going to be coming down, you know, very soon. Or they, the, the FBI agents doubled back to me and asked me some very loose end type questions. They're just sort of like, dotting their I's and crossing their T's, and it appears to be coming down very soon. So we've been hearing that for several years now. It's taken a very long time to get to this point. According to the gossip mill, Sheriff McCabe was probably indicted six or seven times. Um, you know, just every few months you get a phone call from somebody saying, 
oh, you know, the indictment's coming down next month. I hear it's going to be November. I hear it's going to be December. And then it's like, oh, no, that month passes. And then it's like, oh, I hear it's going to be February. So it's like the gossip mill has been going forever saying that the indictment was imminent. And I long ago gave up on the rumors, uh, you know, until I see it myself. So. So, Tim, your investigation was in March of 2017. We are now in almost November of 2019. Scott, is that typical for, you know, the length of an FBI investigation to lead to an indictment? I don't know if it's typical. I would say that the feds do not rush things. They they dot every I, they cross every T, whatever cliche you want to say. They, they do not rush this. They know that Sheriff McCabe will be there in six months and they know he'll be there next year. They want to make sure that they've got everything lined up because as far as the federal prosecutor is concerned, they want to be able to indict and take it to trial the next week if they had to. So as far as my understanding of how a federal prosecutor works, they are lined up ready to go right now. They're not worrying about having to go out and do any additional interviews or investigation right now. This is just about providing what they found to the defense as far as discovery and saying, let's pick a trial date. It doesn't necessarily surprise me that it took him three years. It might seem slightly long, but the fact that it was a multi-year investigation doesn't surprise me. It fascinates me that you, Tim, got so many people to talk on the record. And, you know, it was 2017. Six months later, the New York Times had written about the Harvey Weinstein investigation of sexual harassment and sexual assault allegations, had women talking on the record. How did you get those people both on the sexual assault allegations and some of the other things that you found, what was it like to convince them to to give their name, to speak on their record, and, and how long did that take? It took quite a while. I actually went back to read the story today before we did this podcast to kind of refresh my memory. And I think that there's one woman, one of the sisters who agreed to talk, and it took a couple months. We were talking on the phone for a good period of time before she agreed to talk. Her sister declined to comment, but there was another woman who I met out at a basketball court in Virginia Beach because her son was shooting baskets one evening, and she finally agreed to meet me and, and to talk. And uh, it wasn't until I actually went out there and, and sat down with her while her son was shooting around that she decided to be willing to, to go on the record and, and to uh, grant me an interview. I think that part of it is the amount of time that I was afforded just being able to, these women could see that other women had agreed to talk. They could see that we were really vested in the in the story and the reporting. And so I think that when they see others jumping in, that they feel a little bit more comfortable or a little bit more empowered to do it. I got some breaks along the way, like getting the settlement that the sisters had. I, I remember picking it up at a house in Chesapeake, and I've been trying to get it from a number of sources for a while. And I think that just kind of leaning hard enough and continuing to try to get it, uh, all of a sudden I get this random cryptic communication telling me you can get it at this address at this time. And I and I so I, I roll up to the house, and I remember coming up to the front step, and there being a little boy on the front step. And either he handed me the document that was in a manila envelope or he pointed to it on a, on a chair. I can't remember, but I just remember the door being open and no, no grown-up, no adult came out. But clearly the boy was like somehow involved in waiting for the reporter to come pick it up. I mean, I obviously, after the fact, checked his property records to see who owned the house because I was personally curious as to which source was the one who sent me this cryptic information. But I got some breaks along the way. But yeah, it, I mean, I think that the amount of time that we devoted to it really helped. And the fact that the story kind of built its own momentum and these women could kind of, you know, see that there's buy-in throughout the process. 
So shout out to that little boy, whoever he was. Yeah. So Scott, catch us up on since McCabe has retired, resigned. What has he been up to? I've heard rumors about what he's been doing, but I, I can definitely say that he basically packed up his house here in Norfolk in Ocean View. He basically moved to West Palm Beach and uh, is renting a condo down there. Uh, according to some of our reporting, uh, he's uh, not exactly had the easiest life down there. He's since seen his home here in Norfolk foreclosed on. He's had to file for bankruptcy as an individual. His wife's not named in the bankruptcy. He's not exactly falling on good financial times here. As far as what he's doing for a living down there, I am not sure. This is a man who went from four years ago running for the mayor of Norfolk to now living in a rented condo in Florida, bankrupt and having a home foreclosed on him. So his credit's in shatters. Um, It's quite the turn of events. Have you been able to look at the Norfolk Sheriff's Office as a whole and and if it's changed at all uh, under new leadership? I don't know how exactly to answer that question. Um, There is new leadership. Sheriff Barron is his own man, but at the same time, he was the number two man in the office under uh, Bob McCabe. He worked there for several years. There's a continuity of office there, but at the same time, the voters knew that there was at least an investigation into McCabe. They knew about the subpoenas, and they came out in numbers for Joe Barron. He's got the support of a lot of the current elected officials here. One of the unusual things that's happened is WellPath, the new name for Correct Care Solutions, still has the contract for the Norfolk Sheriff's Office. It was Joe Barron who okayed that contract going there. There was a little bit of heartburn around the city about whether that was appropriate. Mayor Alexander said it didn't smell right to do that, but Joe Barron, he stayed out of the contract, he says, the, the negotiations, but and okayed it at the end of the time. Um, so... That's the law of the land now. Joe Barron has tried as he can to distance himself from Bob McCabe, but at the same time, he was number two in that office. So it's a little unusual that you've got a indicted sheriff whose successor was elected the way he was, but he's got the support of a lot of people in the city. So it was not unknown that this indictment was coming, at least in some form, and the people of Norfolk did not care. So we have these 11 indictments for Bob McCabe. They each come with a 20-year sentence if convicted. What happens next? He's not in jail anymore, right? He was in federal custody for minutes, basically, uh, maybe a couple hours. He was allowed to return back to uh, Florida. I'm suddenly blanking on the day, but sometime in mid to late November, he's going to be come back to federal court in Norfolk. He'll be arraigned. He'll officially plead not guilty. A trial date will be set that'll probably be mid-2020, could be early 2020, but this is obviously going to have a quite a bit of discovery that's going to be need to be provided to the attorneys in this case. And Gerard Boyle, the former Correct Care Solutions CEO that's also indicted in this case, has, I, I believe, five attorneys to his name. So there's going to be a lot of legal wrangling that's going to happen before this trial. Will they be tried together or will it be two separate trials? I fully suspect there will be one trial. There's always a chance that one of the defendants is going to ask to have the cases separated, but that would require the government to basically put on the same case twice about why did you provide this bribe here and then have to prove that the bribe was provided separately on a separate one. So, It's interesting that he's said that he wants to do a trial by jury. You've covered courts for a long time. Is that uh, significant at all? That is a good soundbite from a defense attorney. Trial by jury is what almost anybody's going to request in federal court. Uh, I rarely see a trial that would go as a bench trial, you know, just the judge. 
those are usually cases where it's very technical. You know, you want to have a judge who's going to fully understand some of the details. And this is going to be much more of judgment calls. Was this actually a quid quo pro? Are these people lying? If this goes to trial, it will be a jury trial. I would be shocked if it wasn't. But I, I would say that it's still a question of if there'll be a trial because the vast majority of cases that are indicted in federal court do not go to trial. They usually are um, plea agreements. I, I don't know what's happening in the back rooms right now. Obviously, uh, you know, James Broccoletti, Sheriff McCabe's um, attorney, has said that he's going to seek a trial. And that is likely considering the history of public corruption cases. But there is benefits for our client. If they, if they believe they're going to be convicted, there is a benefit to pleading guilty. The courts, you know, look more favorably on you at sentencing. The, the guidelines are literally crafted in a way to give you more time, you know, to give you a shorter sentence if you plead guilty than if you take it to trial. But, you know, if I was to put money on it, I do expect a trial, but I'm just saying it's not guaranteed. So aside from kind of the more obvious, you know, there's an indictment coming out of this, what feedback did the two of you get when your investigation came out and then the continued reporting on this? What has been the reaction from the community? The overwhelming reaction I got after he was indicted a few days ago is I received several texts from some of the sheriff's office sources that I talked to for the investigation, and they were surprised and relieved and excited that it finally happened. One of them said something to the effect of, like, I'd, I'd given up. I didn't think it was going to actually happen. And to be honest, I think Scott and I, uh, as we've just sort of heard rumors and been you know, hearing about delays and, and everything over the last few years, I think that I had begun to, to think that it, it wasn't going to happen. So I was a little bit surprised as well. When it, when it actually did. But we'll see, you know, this will be interesting because the McCabe corruption investigation grew out of Burfoot. So in 20 plus years in office, if these allegations are true about McCabe, he knows where a lot of bodies are buried in Norfolk. And it's going to be really interesting to see if there are any tentacles that grow out of this one. The thing I constantly look at this is obviously here, you know, we're the Virginian pilot. We're based here in Norfolk. Obviously, McCabe is the bigger story for us. But Gerard Boyle is a very large man in the world of corrections in this country and Australia, quite frankly. Their company has thousands of employees at hundreds of locations across this country. And if he has done the things that are alleged in this indictment and he decided to take a plea deal, the the bodies that he must know where they would be buried, if he was doing this much with Bob McCabe, one random sheriff here in Norfolk, Virginia, then what else is there out there? I don't know what else could be popping up if they could find Gerard Boyle as a cooperating witness going down the road. But that is a very large company, Correct Care, now WellPath. I want to say they're now actually the largest provider of medical services in correctional facilities across this country. And the number of localities that they're involved in, it's kind of mind boggling. Yeah, I think that he doesn't he have contracts with other local Hampton Roads jails? Almost everybody in Hampton Roads actually has a contract with them. So that's my next story on tap here is what is the rest of these jails doing? You know, what are their contracts say? How are those contracts playing out? So, Well, it sounds like you have a long road ahead for reporting, and we look forward to the next steps in this case. And thank you for all of your reporting, and thanks for coming on. Thanks, thanks for you. having us. That's it for this week. You can find all the episodes of Beyond the Headlines wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and leave a comment and tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. I'm Marie Albajez. Thanks for listening.